Author Dick Brogdon has solid advice for anyone considering becoming a missionary. He says you don't become a missionary when you land in another country. You become a missionary right now, right where you live. So if you're not making disciples within your own culture and language, it's very improbable that you'll start doing that in a different language. So there's nothing magical in that airplane, right? So you don't get on that airplane and you're not winning souls and making disciples here. And then you start doing it when you have all the layers of other religions, ideologies, difficulties of language, etc. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Last week, we heard part one of my conversation with Dick Brogdon. He is the founder of an organization called Live Dead. He's the author of a book called Live Dead Joy. If you missed last week's episode, I encourage you to go online to viewomradio.net. You can listen to it there, or you can listen to it in our podcast stream. Dick leads teams in sharing the gospel around the world. And we're going to pick up the conversation with a story about the way God goes before those teams and prepares the way. You know, the conflict in Yemen is is pretty significant. In fact, the destruction in that country is probably greater than in Syria. It doesn't get quite the media attention, but it's a country that's completely devastated. So a young man and his wife fled that, and they went up to Sweden. In Sweden, they came to know Jesus. They joined this radio ministry that is broadcasting back into their homeland gospel messages. They went for a conference to Istanbul for three days, and this young believer um, stayed behind because he was wanting to meet more of his countrymen. So he walked the streets of Istanbul for three days, trying to find someone from Yemen to share the gospel with, and he didn't find anyone. So a little discouraged on the last day, he said, well, let me just go into the mosque. You know, I'm an Arab. I, it wasn't the time of prayer. He took his Bible. He just walked in, took his shoes off, sat in the middle of the carpet, and began to read his Bible, hoping that someone from Yemen would come up to him. Well, he read his Bible for a while, nothing happened, so he closed it and stood to leave, but he couldn't stand up. Some strange power forced him back to the ground, and then he got worried. He just sat there because he couldn't move. After some time, a man runs up to him and greets him, and it's a Yemeni man, and he's speaking Yemeni Arabic, and the the man says, can we go back to the section where my my, my wife is, the lady section, and we want to ask you a question. So they walk back there, and they say, we had the same vision. Both my wife and I saw you in this mosque, and light was coming down from heaven. It was shining into you, and then shining out your back, and shining into us. Sir, what does that mean? And furthermore, this happened some time ago, so I work. I told my wife to come down every day and look for you, and when you showed up, to call me. So today, my wife was coming into the mosque just when you were standing up to leave. So she prayed, Oh God! Don't let that man leave. And you fell back down to the carpet, and here you are. And so please, would you tell us what these things mean? And so he went to their apartment and shared the gospel with them all night long. And in in the morning, that man from Yemen and his young wife gave their hearts to Jesus. And so it was all because a believer was asking the Lord to intervene. And then this dream, which is very common for those who are seeking the Lord, and then the follow-up presentation of the gospel. So we rejoice in that. It's sort of amazing to to hear a situation like that where God's sort of already done the work. I mean, you're just sort of cleaning up after sure. he's done. Yeah. Do you see that often in 
you mentioned dreams and visions happening a lot. That's right. Is that peculiar to the Muslim world? Is that everywhere? Is it more common among Muslims? How do you? It certainly is very common amongst Muslims. When we see Muslims that have come to know Jesus, three encounters have kind of intertwined. We refer to them as a love encounter, a truth encounter, and a power encounter. On the love encounter, often there's the interaction with someone who knows Jesus, serving them, blessing them, being kind, breaking the stereotype of what a Christian is. The truth encounter is extended time in the Word of God, in scriptures. Not just testimonies or not just stories, you know, because Muslims have testimonies too, but getting them (laughs) into the Word. But the, the third one is a power encounter. It can be a healing, it can be a dream, it can be a vision, it can be some dramatic display of God's truth. On those first two, whether they're local believers or missionary presence, we can kind of be proactive. We can love people and we can proclaim the gospel. But we can't force a miracle or a dream. That's something that God does. And many times, it's kind of the culminative piece. It can be, you know, the the instigation as well. But many times I've found love, acts of service, explanation of the gospel, and then the Muslim seeker will be academically or even theologically convinced of that being true. But they're standing on a cliff. And if they step off that cliff, all hell breaks loose against them. They could lose their job, their liberties, their children, their life, their freedoms. And many times what those dreams do is give assurance that they haven't lost their mind, they aren't crazy, and that if they step off that cliff, Jesus will be with them. Many times the dreams are of Jesus himself, giving them the assurance to take the step of what they have been convinced is right, but don't necessarily have the courage to move forward on. So yes, certainly in the Muslim world, other places as well, but I've seen it most dramatically in the Muslim world. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dick Brogdon. He's the founder of Live Dead. Dick, one of the things you do is is come and talk to American Christians and American churches and kind of sound the trumpet call to God's work and to missions and to like you say, every tribe and tongue and nation, how do you feel like the American church is responding to that call? Do you Are you encouraged? Are you discouraged? Uh, is it changing? What do you see in the American church? I think I have concern mixed with hope. The concerns I have is that we have become quite performance-oriented in American churches, and we tend to worship the wrong things. Remember the story of the Israelites taking the ark into the camp to fight the Philistines, and they shout and shake the ground. They say, the ark's with us. Well, well, God wasn't. You know, they had their attention <laughs> on the ark. 30,000 guys get killed, and they lose that, that symbol of God's presence. I'm worried we're moving that way in American Christianity. You know, we have worshipped faith. We have worshipped worship. Now we kind of worship preaching or communicators. We can worship prayer. We can, we can worship these good things, but we lose the focus on Jesus. And in a performance-oriented culture that is entertainment-driven in many of our church services, it doesn't give us the requisite spiritual spine to endure when things go wrong. We have been fed a little bit of a diet of sugar and medicine And those are nice. Everybody likes a slice of pie once in a while, including myself, but I can't live on that. And once we stray from the meat and potatoes of, of God's word and we dilute spiritual truths, we undermine our ability to endure persecution 
and the requisite difficulties that accompany the propagation of the gospel globally. We've lost spiritual and emotional grit. So there are these very pressing concerns. Now, not all hope is lost because God always has a remnant. So there are men and women in the American churches who are still full of faith, still biblically oriented, still spirit-empowered, still willing to pay the price, still releasing their sons and daughters to go to difficult places on earth, still crying at funerals of the martyrs, and still gladly bowing the knee before King Jesus. So not all is lost, but we're certainly at a precarious time where the majority of the church is in decline. So what I'm praying is for one more awakening in America. You know, not just America, but but globally. America has been used to send and to bless at so many levels. And so the decline of the American church does have implications on the global expansion of the gospel. So I'm praying for one more revival, one more awakening, that is missions-hearted, that there's a return to an understanding that God is a missionary God, the Bible is a missionary book, and we're meant to be a missionary people. And the tripartite formula that Kaiser wrote about so well would be revitalized. I'll be your God, you'll be my people, my holy people, so I can dwell amongst you, that I might bless you, the Abrahamic covenant, that you might be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. So revival is never internalized. Revival is never meant to be indulgent. Revival in the American church is always linked to the growing knowledge of God in all peoples of of the world. So I'm not giving up on the American church, but I am concerned. Good answer. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. And, And I hope that we'll have listeners that will join in that prayer for revival. And I think we do have listeners that are praying for revival in the American church. Dick, as you think about those of us who are not being persecuted and our relationship with those who are, and sometimes it's maybe people on your teams, sometimes it's local believers in the in the context where you work, how do we relate to them? Is it a, is it a matter of, of service? Is it a matter of learning from them? Is it all of the above? How do we who are not being persecuted relate with those who are being persecuted? Yeah, I would say three things. Uh, the first thing is, I think everyone who is under pressure is so appreciative of prayers. Prayers that need no visas, prayers that can't be hindered at borders, can't be stopped by prison. So continuing to pray for our brothers and sisters under great duress is, is a, an incredible and much appreciated aspect. The second is, heart follows treasure. So I would say continue to be generous and to, to sacrificially give, not just out of excess, but if you're giving to those who are sacrificing, it makes the most sense to me spiritually that it's a sacrificial above and beyond what you're actually comfortable with, an extended generosity, because if you're giving to brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering sacrificially, you're actually joining them in solidarity. But the third thing is, even though there isn't overt persecution here in the United States, we are increasingly thought to be bigots or accused of hate speech if we open up our mouth and proclaim Jesus boldly. And I would say the least that we could do is to have bold witness here, despite the scorn and the rejection. Now, I'm not talking about being a cultural idiot or being offensive for offense's sake, but I am talking about the unashamed proclamation that Jesus is God, he is coming back to judge the living and the dead, and we better be in right relationship with the king when he comes back. He's the only savior. That's not a popular message. You know, we can talk about the philosopher. We can talk about God in general terms. 
but even in America, to talk about the uniqueness of Jesus as divine and the only Savior, there will be some pushback. So I would say to the American Christian, pray for the persecuted, give sacrificially to the cause of global missions, especially where the gospel hasn't gone and where suffering is resulting from its propagation. And you, in your job, in your neighborhood, in your park, in your bus, in your college campus, you need to open your mouth and talk about Jesus and face some of the backlash for that. Amen. I want to ask, my hope is that God uses Voice of the Martyrs Radio to lead people down the path to missions. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think we have some listeners, in fact, I know we have some listeners who maybe they already feel that call, or maybe they're kind of wrestling with, okay, Lord, is that what you have for me? What advice would you give people who are in that? And I'm thinking particularly of young people, you know, 18 to 25, who are kind of evaluating, okay, what do I do now? Right. Talk to those people and, and kind of give them some next steps or some advice. Core building block of missions anywhere is to make disciples. And churches are just collection of faithful disciples. So we do believe in planning churches. But what we mean by that is making disciples that make disciples. So if you're not making disciples within your own con- culture and language, it's very improbable that you'll start doing that in a different language. So there's nothing magical in that airplane, right? So you don't get on that airplane and you're not winning souls and making disciples here. And then you start doing it when you have all the layers of other religions, ideologies, difficulties of language, etc. So I would say to the young person or any missionary candidate, you need to make disciples here in your own context. Secondly, Once you are active in that, you need to have your radar up for the peoples that God has led you towards. If you have a heart for Hindus or Buddhists or Muslims or Sikhs or secular humanists, whatever it might be, you need to start building those muscles and reaching out because God has brought the nations to our borders as well. I'm an immigrant, by the way. I'm not going to get political here, but my mom came over on a boat. So I am thankful for this nation that's opened its doors to immigrants. I pray that long we would continue to do so because God is giving us incredible opportunities right here in our nation. So first of all, make disciples of your own culture. Second, look for those immigrant peoples, specifically if you can, in the nations that you feel burdened towards and reach out to them and learn language and culture and how you share their gospel with them because those things will need to be built on under duress when you get overseas. And then some of the things I mentioned earlier You need to be praying because you want people to pray for you. You need to be giving because you want people to give to you. And you're going to reap what you sow. If you don't pray or give, how can you ask others to do that when you're the beneficiary? So some of these practical things that are just basic discipleship, the the simple things that you'll do cross-culturally, I would encourage you to do them now. We're talking today on Voice of Martyrs Radio with Dick Brogdon. He is the founder of an organization called Live Dead Dick, I know you and your family, you've served overseas for decades now. You're on the cusp of of maybe a great uh, gospel work adventure. Talk about next steps for your family and and some of the things you have in mind. So we've been in the Arab world for 25 years now and been just a joy in Mauritania, Sudan, which we absolutely love, the people, and in Egypt, which is called in Arabic, Umadunya, which means the mother of the world, you know, so <laughs> we've been in the mother of the world. That's how Egyptians gladly look at their country and we rejoice with them. But as I look at the world today and the challenges therein, I see that the emotional and spiritual center of the Arab world is the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which is going through profound change. 
And we need to pray for Saudi Arabia because it is very influential with its uh, geographical location, with the location of Mecca and Medina, the holy sites of Islam, with oil wealth, with what's going on with Iran and some of these proxy wars that are being fought in the Middle East. It's very politically, economically, spiritually important. So we have a great burden for Saudi Arabia, and we want, with all due respect and actually all due candor, to be able to serve there as God opens the doors. I don't believe that our job is ever to be duplicitous or to be tricky. We are messengers of truth and messengers of light. And so what we would like to do is to see if there's a possibility with respectful application to the, the authorities to be a pastor located in Saudi Arabia Helping those, there are, you know, 33% of Saudi Arabia are Filipinos or Nigerians or Kenyans or diverse nationalities who are serving there. And some of those are Christians and followers of Jesus. So what we would like to do is to actually get official permission to go in and serve that Christian community as pastors. And then to help all of those Christians to live it out ourselves, know that we're not just about blessing ourselves or keeping the gospel to ourselves. We're proclaimers. We're town criers. We are messengers. We have the, the answer to eternal life, this ubiquitous problem of sin that affects all cultures, all religions, all peoples. We know the answer. We know who the answer is. And so we want to be able to, to express that and to help others express that and to find ways to do that respectfully but unapologetically. So it's a big ask, and you can pray for us and see if the Lord would open a way for that in Saudi Arabia. So pray with us. I would encourage our listeners, that that is a big ask. And uh, like when we talked about it before we started recording, just, uh, wow, that's bold. Wow, it's bold to, to put it out there. But we will pray. We will have people pray with you and with your family as you consider that. I love it that we got there because we like to— finalize our conversations on the subject of prayer, because we always want to equip our listeners to pray. You are sending out workers among unreached people groups. So I want to ask first for some specific ways that we can pray for those workers who are going out, often difficult places, closed places, places where Christians are persecuted. How do we pray for the workers in that environment? There are three identities that combine, if you imagine a three-legged stool, to make an effective worker in these places. One is their professional identity. There needs to be a credible and legal reason for them to be there, serving the community in ways that the community wants to be served. There is the cultural identity, which is language and culture. We need to be able to express these beautiful truths about Jesus in heart languages. And there's the spiritual identity. We need to be front-footed and very clear people of light about the gospel message. We were not commissioned to go into the difficult places, conceal the gospel, make it as irrelevant to the hearer as we can. You know, we, <laughs> we, we have a message to get out, and, and it's a difficult message. And so we never want our people to dilute that spiritual identity that they are Jesus Bible people. So these are identities that need to all be fleshed out and robust in order for effective, fruitful work. So if you could pray for our workers globally, that all three of those identities would be robust, legitimately serving and helping communities that host them, sincerely and professionally being able to communicate in heart language and concepts and to contextualize without syncretizing the gospel message, and then 
to not be afraid to be a Jesus Bible person and to figure out ways on a daily basis, ubiquitous in their identification with Jesus, and that all these things would combine for powerful witness. So if you could pray those things for our workers from all over the world, we'd be thankful. And then secondly, how do we pray for unreached people? Yeah, I I think as we're praying for unreached people groups, I go back to this scriptural verse that there is a veiling on their minds. So would you pray for an unveiling, that the cross would be unveiled, that there would be a penetration through all the defenses and apologies for their system of thinking and a breaking through of that. No Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist is argued to Jesus. You know, we we must present truth and we must allow the Holy Spirit to knead that down into their spirits. But if there isn't an unveiling from on high, if there isn't a breaking of deception and delusion, you don't get very far. So I I would pray for... Jesus to be revealed and the cross to be unveiled and these bondages and chains to be broken at the spirit level and then for courage because for people to follow Jesus, it's costly and there's prices to be paid and that they would have the courage and the confidence, the assurance that Jesus is worth it, not to mitigate price or cost or suffering but just that beautiful promise that Jesus is worth it. And, and pray that for our workers too, that whatever they go through and whatever the people they lead to Jesus go through, that in common chorus and united joy, we could proclaim, Jesus, you are worth it. Amen. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dick Brogdon. He's the founder of Live Dead. Dick, how do people connect with Live Dead? The easiest way is to go to our website, livedead.org, and whether you want to join teams or pray, we have prayer bands. We call them pray bands, and that's just asking groups of three. It's not an additional prayer meeting to your church organization, but if you're at work and you can take a lunch break once a week and pray for unreached peoples, we resource you for that. If you're at school and you can get some friends together and spend 20 minutes a week praying for the unreached, we resource you with prayer requests for that. So, Whether you want to give, whether you want to pray, whether you want to go, whether you want to speak up for unreached peoples globally, if you would go to livedead.org, all our information is there and you can connect with us. I would encourage you to do that. We'll also provide you a link at vomradio.net. If you're just now joining us, you will want to go to vomradio.net and listen to this entire conversation with Dick Brogdon. He is the founder of Live Dead. He's also the author of a book called Live Dead Joy. We'll give you a link if you want to order a copy of that book. Again, our website, vomradio.net. Dick, thanks for your heart. Thanks for your passion. Thanks for sharing with us this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We got a letter just recently that was really encouraging to me and encouraging to our staff here at Voice of the Martyrs, and I want to share it with you. If you want to send me a note, I'd love to hear from you about how the stories of our persecuted family are impacting your faith. Uh, But this letter came in from uh, a lady named Sarah talking about what Voice of the Martyrs Radio has meant to her. I cannot thank you and your staff enough for what you do at VOM Radio. I started listening to your podcast last year, and I don't think it's a stretch to say it's changing my life. The Bible says we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, And God is using your podcast to accomplish that in me 
changing my perspective and the way I think about the world and my own life. I rejoice with what God is doing all around the world, and I pray to have the courage and faith and selflessness of our brothers and sisters in persecution. Thank you, Sarah, for sending that note. Like I say, it's always an encouragement to me to hear that what we do, what we do when we sit in the studio really does impact people, and it really does encourage people's faith. So thank you, Sarah. And again, if you've been impacted by VOM Radio, I'd love to hear from you, vomradio.net. Right at the bottom of the page, there's a little section where you can just send me a note, and uh, I would love to hear from you, and we may even read it on the air like we did with Sarah's letter. You know, one of the toughest places on the globe to be a follower of Christ is the Islamic Republic of Iran. Next week, we're going to hear from believers who are living out their faith in that nation, so you won't want to miss that. Join us right here next week on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.